Welcome to Behind the Maker Podcast. I'm Tiff Marchand from Night Carver Designs, and I'm joined by, well, wait, I'm not joined by Nicole on this episode. It is Ben from Condorosa Creations. He has stepped in for Miss Nicole from Repping My Hood and All Good Things because her son had a awesome recital tonight. So we have Ben stepping in and we are interviewing Robert Bliss from Bliss Made Furniture. He is a fines craftsman and uh, does things a little bit different than a lot of people. And I think you're going to really enjoy learning why he does things the way he does. So let's check out Robert's story. I love this. The finest kind. What's up? What's going on? What's up, Mr. Bliss? How are you, sir? Dude, you look so professional. Tip, you look fantastic. All right, you always look fantastic. Those dimples, those dimples just, they kill me. Does it? You're quite attractive as well. I'm so glad we went to like how beautiful all three of us are to start this off. This is great. This guy, and this guy's crazy, but let me thank you real quick for letting me have my my lawyer, my press secretary, as your guest host today, because I'm gonna say stupid stuff, and Ben, you always bail me out. <laughs> okay. hey, I'm, here. I'm just here to help, bro. <laughs> oh my God, I love this shop, first of all. Very clean, did you do that for us, or is it yeah. always like this? Dude, this is the cleanest it's been in six years. Yeah? <laughs> Probably. What? Podcasts are amazing. They make you clean your face. (laughs) I didn't clean. I didn't clean anything. But uh, I haven't been out as much because I uh, this time of year I I used to like go crazy during Christmas and like busy, 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 and then I decided "Mm, not doing that anymore. Um, So I like shut down the shop basically for like two weeks every Christmas. Beautiful and just family time. So I haven't been out here as much, so it's not as crazy. You also sell cutting boards faster than anybody I know. So like, that's probably why you were able to shut down your shop. You like post, you posted like 15 cutting boards the other day. And the, like two days later, you're like, all right, they're all sold. We're good. It <laughs> blew me away, man. I couldn't believe it. Well, it's, it's one of those things that it's like, like, I like making them. It's fun. I think, um, I, I still like enjoy doing it, mm-hmm. but there's no money in it. There's not. So no, I don't. I mean, you, you're spending, especially for like, there's a lot of people that'll put together these, you see these crazy boards and it's like, oh, you got 10 hours into that board. You cut it and glued it 27 times and then you sold it for $300. Like you lost money. You lost yeah. money. So it's, it's tough because Those you crazy a fancy lot of time into them that. and you don't make much money because I'm not going to sell the thing for, you know, the time. So it's, it's really like kind of a labor of love sort of thing. But I'm yeah, glad- I put up just like. I think 26 or 27 of them and then gone. I'm glad that uh, we got to shitting on Ben's total business in the first, in the first, in the first like 30 seconds of this podcast. You Um, know, you wait. It's going to be more. I was, I was dying as he was saying this. I'm like, wow, I think Ben makes a lot of cutting boards. <laughs> no. And I, like I said, I make cutting boards too, but it's like, you're not going to, you're not, it's a tough thing to do. It's I'm not getting rich thing. doing it. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. I'm not getting rich doing in order it. to make, you know, in order to make money at it and doing the stuff that you guys do, like seeing you guys at the craft fairs and everything, you can make a pretty good money, you know, pretty good penny, you know, in a day's work. But it's like it's hard work, you know. It's a lot to put into those. You know. Yes, it is. Sit there for hours and sand the thing, and it's like even just going to the fairs and selling them. I'm sure it gets exhausting. I mean, you probably have it down, but it's a lot of work. 
yeah it's uh it can be it can be time consuming a and uh it's yeah but it's fun it's part of the gig you know what i mean it's, it's, it's something fun to do and it's someplace to sell your stuff other than etsy you know what i mean oh yeah and yeah you know what i mean so uh but dude a lot of contacts too that way yeah for sure for that's sure that's the thing it's great is like a lot of what a lot of the cutting boards that i have made i mean i've made a lot of them you've made a ton thousands Maybe. I went. I went back on your page today, and <laughs> you've made a crap ton. Of, you've forgotten more about making cutting boards than most people will ever know about making cutting boards. You, it's ridiculous how many cutting boards you've made. It's a lot, but yeah. I yeah. like doing them because I and I like. Um, I don't really like to sell them individually anymore. Um, I did for this last one, which is why it was kind of cool. But I'll give you know, or not give, but I'll sell them wholesale to uh, local stores in the area. Um, and if you're, if you're a woodworker in New Hampshire, listening to this, stay out of my territory, man, we'll go <laughs> New York city mafia style, <laughs> but, uh, but it's a great thing to do for, for people who are making cutting boards and have, you know, the, uh, the desire to make a lot more of them and maybe start, you know, like pushing out a lot more. I think people overlook the fact that like all these local stores, the local gift shops, stuff like that, they will die. They'll fall over themselves trying to give you money if you walk in there and give them a reasonable wholesale price for cutting boards, they love locally made stuff. They love high quality stuff. That's like, and people just buy that stuff. It's, it's really, I think it's kind of in right now, the whole wooden cutting board thing. Um, so it's a great opportunity there. And all those cutting boards I made, I tried to give them to all these, didn't give them again, but tried to get them in all these we stores locally because it, basically what it is, is it's, it's a wood sample for my furniture that you have to buy. So a lot of these people that bought these cutting boards ended up calling me back and that's when you make the real money. Um, so it's kind of like a mar marketing thing a little bit too, but, uh, yeah, it's, I, I really, it's, a, it's like a really big business card that you're just giving out or not. So again, not, cool. not giving out. Sell it. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though, man. It's, it's, uh, it's like, well, you guys know me well enough to probably heard me say this before, but I'll tell people like, oh, I'm thinking about trying to sell some of my, this is, this is what they do. And they say it, yes. I think about trying to sell some of my stuff <laughs> and make some money. And then maybe I can, you know, pay off my hobby and, and get more yeah. tools. It's it. Enjoy it. Enjoy the craft. Enjoy the hobby. Once you start getting into an area where you're trying to make money. And once it starts becoming like a business where you're trying to feed a family, and don't get me wrong. I love what I do. I'm mm -hmm. incredibly blessed to do what I do. And we can get into how I got here in a bit if you want to, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. You know, it is, it is not, it makes, it's a good way to ruin a really enjoyable hobby. <laughs> <laughs> no, it gets stressful when you're trying to sell a product. It does because yeah. like, and then and if you're depending on it too, I mean, that's a whole another level of stress. I mean, I don't have that because of my day job and that's why I have the day job. <laughs> but like, if that's your sole income, I can't even imagine. Like, I, I mean, I see everybody go through it every year. It, it gets very stressful at the end of the year too. Cause you're thinking about taxes and all that too. And trying to do that Christmas rush. Yeah. It's one of those things. It's like, um, and your stuff is beautiful. It's amazing. Both of you guys stuff is amazing. And I went through that, you know, the transition period of like having the day job and kind of doing this on the side too. And, yeah, we uh, should we should kind of get into your history. Tell us about yourself. Well, just because you're in a history, you want to see? No, 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 no. Keep that history to yourself. I'm talking about 
like where you came from, um, like yeah. how you got started. I know you're, you're a, I, I went deep on you. Seventh generation. And I, yes. Don't threaten me with a good time, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Se seven generations of blisses, right? If, if I got that correct, right? Yeah. There's a few more than that down the line, but there's seven of them that, um, well, actually it stretches back a little bit. My family kind of goes back to, uh, we're going way back to the American revolution. Oh, when Thomas bliss answered the Lexington alarm. And since that time, my family has like born, lived, died, buried in the same podunk town in Vermont called Calais. We call it Calais, but it's, it's after Calais, if you're fancy or French, Ooh. Canadian. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, but like up in that area, like my family's always been making stuff. Um, you know, my great grandfather was the tool maker at Rock of Ages, Granite Quarry and Barry incredible blacksmith i have some of his tools here in the shop and beautiful stuff he was like the tool maker he was the guy that made all those chisels they used to split those blocks and everything and wow. then uh, my grandfather was a furniture maker um and he made some incredibly beautiful stuff is that uh, robert I, is that robert farwell bliss that's robert farwell it's two yeah i'm robert eldridge he was robert farwell but he was uh, incredibly talented my grandmother was uh incredibly talented everything painter uh she she did these beautiful rugs like uh braided rugs kind of country new england style and then a, some hand hook stuff that's just amazing um it's so funny because like she she made i mean there there's hundreds of these rugs she just <laughs> always always doing it and uh my grandfather he would you know he'd be like where the hell is that shirt that shirt that i like that, and then you know like a couple of weeks later it's like you'll see it in a rug <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny she ran out of material she just needed a little bit more no she's just like whatever this one looks good okay you know one. i need something yeah, green <laughs> yeah it, they were crazy talented crazy talented awesome. like they used to they used to sell stuff to dealers in la there was a couple of guys that would come out from out you know this is way back but that would come out here. You couldn't get antiques in LA back then. Yeah. Yeah. Cause nothing was old there. Everything was new. Yeah. It was all new. So they would come, you know, bring stuff from the East coast out to LA and make a killing. Um, and the antiques business has changed a lot, but they, they, they did, a, you know, they made a good living doing that among other things. No mafia stuff. No but, mafia, uh, a little, maybe a little, little, uh, prohibition. Like, was it that far back? Uh, they were so far deep in Vermont, dude. I don't even know if they knew prohibition happened. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, nothing changed oh, there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they just, they would do uh maple every year and stuff like that. I know, but, um, but I mean, I grew up very differently because I, I was actually, my father was the first generation of blisses to leave the state of Vermont. Wow. Uh, and then, uh, you know, growing up, I'd always love furniture. Um, when I was, uh, when I was a kid, when I was like, 16 we lived in amherst new hampshire in southern new hampshire which uh you know no one have a reason to know where that is but uh <laughs> you amherst was... first because of the amherst mass but never mind <laughs> you know yeah i was like oh, know. Amherst. i know amherst but no <laughs> yeah every time i say amherst they uh they say like oh they're like amherst mass i'm like no no, no the less cool amherst that's it's just because it's a big college there so people know it you know yeah they all know everything mass yep. you're so fancy down there well, you guys, 
<laughs> you quite you, fancy. <laughs> quite fancy. We're yeah. not. We're not. <laughs> I try to stay on this side of the border, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love going across the border. I'm just like, oh, it's so pretty here. It's less touched. There's more nature once you pass Massachusetts. Yeah. Yeah. I do like living up here. Yeah. It's it's nice. more developed for sure. It's ridiculous where you live, dude. I mean, honestly, I the, I, I was going to get into that um, at some point. And since you brought it, since we're talking about where you live, yeah. the shop that you're in currently, the way it, is it, are you in the shop right now that has the big window that overlooks the field? No, no, that's not, that's not the shop. That's up the street. How many shops do you have? Uh, well, that shop belongs to uh, my mentor, the guy I apprenticed okay. with. Oh, and okay. So he's got a big finish booth up there. And uh, yeah, I met Bill. God, Bill and I, I mean, ever since Bliss made it and Bill, like they went hand in hand. Yeah, that shop. Well, okay. Your shop is gorgeous, but that shop, man, you have, <laughs> there's pictures of it. Of that window overlooking the, the, the field and the trees and the, it is just gorgeous where you live. It's just ridiculous. Well, I should probably I should probably explain who Bill there. is. So Bill, um, after like, uh, well, I'll I'll finish the story here. <laughs> so growing up at Amherst, they had Atomic Skis. Uh, you guys know Atomic Skis? They had like a huge warehouse in Amherst. When I was a kid, my buddies would work at Atomic, and they would get in like thousands of skis that were just returns for whatever reason from all around the country. And they would clip the tops of them and then throw them in the dumpster. And so, you know, 16 year old kid with a pickup truck, yeah. we filled that thing up and we went and make furniture and sold it. And that was the first time I ever really made money making furniture. Um, awesome. I wrote that down with, <laughs> I asked, he mentioned I, I, before the show, I, before yeah. the show, I said, yeah. I said, at 16 years old, he made his first thing and it was out of skis. It I was still like a, have some of them. You, I've, that was my next follow-up question. Where yeah. is it? And do you have it? There's, I don't know where the rest of it is. I have a couple pieces. I got one rickety shelf. <laughs> that's so crazy that you brought that up yourself, man. I, I, I went deep and I was like, I'm going to bring this up. And he's going to be like, oh, I totally forgot about that or something. Like, I, I but no, if you bring it up, Those that's hilarious. Days, man. Those are the days. <laughs> You know, and I was like 16, so I'd go buy like penny candy with it. I don't know. Vermont is known for skiing and all that fun. So like, that's the perfect kind of furniture to make though. Like people are going to want that for the chalets or whatever they say. You know what I mean? Chalets. Chalets. I don't think at that point I was in any chalets. (laughs) (laughs) But your clients could have been, you never know. You might have, you know what I mean? Like. Cause people throw in just like fun decor in those just, you know, you're going to go. And especially if you rent them, you want to have cool things like that. So it's good. It idea. is amazing how many people have so much money and so little taste. Yeah, no, it, it's true. No, but when you go, when you, when you go somewhere like that, that's what you want to see, right? You want to feel do. like you want to feel like you're there. So that furniture is perfect for those types of things. Mm-hmm. That, I, think if, you guys are, I think you guys are maybe thinking that the furniture I was making at that point is probably is better than it probably was. Oh, no, ben, ben did say, I'm, I'm glad you've improved. Don't worry. He called out that it wasn't nice. It wasn't the greatest, but it was cool. <laughs> it was damn it was cool, cool though. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're comparing what you do now to that. And I mean, that's a different world. I'm it, is, it seems like so long ago. It's like, yeah, have you guys ever looked at something you made like 
10, 15 years ago and just go like, eh, what am I doing? What was I thinking? Like I just getting there, you know, kind of, yeah. um, someone asked me that the other day, like, you know, is it when you get, uh, or you see your furniture that you made like a couple months ago, is it like made differently than how you make it now? At this point it's not, but if I look back far enough, yeah. I can see stuff that I'm like, whoa, like there's uh, I made when my son, Wyatt was born, I made him, uh, like an adjustable chair that so he could sit at the dinner table and be there, you know, the Swedes make a version of it, but I yeah, made like yeah, a yeah. version of it. And uh, I'm, so it was, that was a little rickety. So <laughs> I made uh, this for my kid. It was a little, I mean, it didn't last the test of time. I, it, that's why I was like, well, I don't make children's furniture. The insurance is too high. So we're, we're out there, but uh, I'm going to remake one for my daughter, Isla. So I got a new design that I'm putting together. I can't sell it, which sucks, but uh, I'm going to make one uh, for her. And it's fun to go back and kind of see what the choices were that you made. And like, I take the measurements off them and, and, you know, like some of the measurements were dead spot on. Some of them I adjust a little bit. Um, it's always fun to go back and kind of be a check on your, the stuff that you've done in the past. Yeah. But, I can't yeah. see this. Uh, Cause I think you're going to inspire a lot of other people to try doing something like that for their kid, you know? Like maybe oh, yeah. I could try doing that. Yeah. That's where I, that's the beauty about it. Like, um, you know, I know some of the listeners will be like professional people and some will be just kind of hobbyist people. And um, I feel like people get lost in trying to like do the Instagram thing and do the Etsy thing. Mm-hmm. And I think people would be, would benefit more from focusing on the craft itself and focusing on just like, like give away everything. Don't, Think you're going to make money off it just give stuff away do what you want to do when you want to do it get creative try different stuff and just enjoy it um i think people get you get lost in it very easily when you get into a point where you're you're trying to sell stuff well also um, i think the the it's different for somebody like you bliss who's doing furniture building for a living and has been doing it for how long how long has the shop been open Six years officially. Okay, so six years. Most of, I'd say the, I don't, a good amount of the people that have come onto Instagram in the last couple of years have, are all brand new makers, right? Who are starting out, you know, getting their feet wet and learning, and you know, and so it's. I feel like it's for that's like the hustle right now. You know what I mean? That's like the everybody's trying to, you know, make whatever they can make, which is a ton of cutting boards bottle openers you know things that are are easy for beginners to be making and trying to sell in places like etsy and places like facebook marketplace and places like that because it's just an easy way for people to make money and turn it around but yeah. it's it's uh that must be it that must that must, what i'm trying to get at is that must be interesting for somebody like you who's been doing it for so long and been trying to sell it you know you have you must be selling them word of mouth and referrals and stuff like that. That's like where you get a lot of your business, I'm assuming. Um, yeah, I kind of, it's kind of comes from all over. A lot of it's like, um, well, I mean, when I first started out, it was, uh, I had no, you know, no real name for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and as Bill would say, it's, uh, you can't make new old customers. Um, mm. so building that network of referrals was pretty, you know, pretty important. Um, I'm not like, you know, I'm not part of any of the like uh, craft guilds up here or anything like that. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of people that have the craft guilds and stuff. I think I'm part of the guild 
but um, there's a lot of ways to kind of get your name out there. It depends on the direction you want to go. Yeah. Um, the best way to get your name out is just to build good stuff and people will, people will spread the word. Um, you know, the first couple of pieces of furniture that I made when I first opened the doors to Blissmade were, they didn't have my name on them. They had somebody else's name on them. I was building, you know, the same way that like a, like a sous chef. Uh, that's what I love about, you know, if you're serious about getting into it, you find somebody who is going to mentor you. Yeah. Otherwise you, you're not going to make it. I mean, you, you just, there's so many pitfalls. There's so many sand traps. There's so many uh, ways to go out of business. And then before you know it, you've made a hundred cutting boards and you've lost money, mm -hmm. um, you know, or a hundred of whatever lost money. So it's really important to have someone to guide you along the way. And part of that is building a name for yourself so that when people see bliss made now, you know, it's not like I'm not going to be on the news or anything, but um, you know, people know who I am up here. At least, at least not for that. Not for that. <laughs> New Hampshire man. <laughs> Good call out, Ben. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bearded yeah. man in overalls. <laughs> Look out for him. Yeah, I know, right? It'd be like I'd be so easy to spot. It's a giant bald dude with a beard, you know. Look out for uh, that guy. Actually, no, not up here. Everybody looks like me up here. <laughs> you blend. I do. I blend well. I blend well. No, dude. Well, I'm sorry. I, I didn't, didn't was that oh yeah i no, mean go I, ahead. I didn't move back until recently like i grew up here and then i left for a while where'd you like, go after i didn't just go i didn't just start woodworking i went into the corporate world you guys know that um yeah like, i went straight into i was uh i ended up graduating college in new hampshire and then i left for like 10 years and i traveled everywhere i like worked in every state in oh, the wow. u.s i lived in Portland, Oregon, Austin, Texas, San Diego, San Francisco, New York City, all over the place. And I ended up back here. <laughs> but I was working for um, marketing agencies at the time, um, doing like large scale events and, and, um, and retail, you know, kind of stuff like that. Uh, but we had, uh, you know, I did all sorts of crazy stuff. I drove the peanut mobile for a while, which is like a, almost like the wiener mobile. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Worked in the in the find us a photo with you posing outside of it. Oh, I can send you that. Yes. <laughs> cool. Should that be your cover? <laughs> your yeah. album cover? Yeah. That thing, it was impossible to drive because people would just drive next to you and stare. Like, trying to take pictures. And you couldn't it's a giant peanut. You can't see shit behind you. So you, I'm it's terrifying. You gotta I'm take sure. a look at your turn on. Just... You just put your turn signal on, then you just go like this and then <laughs> Just kind oh of, my god! Oh, it was bad. But people would just drive next to you, like I thought, pay that. Like, dude, peanuts gonna run you over. Move. <laughs> oh, I need to. I need to qualify something before. Please so, do. Because like, I did all sorts of these tours. But if you Google peanut mobile, there's gonna be a lot of news articles about them crashing. Okay, not me. All right. Wasn't you? No. After I left, they transferred the program back from the agency that I was working for, and they're like, we could just pay interns to do it for like a 25th of the cost. Well, those interns drove that thing into all sorts of stuff around the country. I didn't crash once, okay? Just wanna make that clear for the I'm record. I'm definitely gonna have to research this just because that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Pinot Mobile, like, that's crazy got, stuff. yeah. That's gotta be some sort of title, this, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I know. <clears throat> um, yeah. You've been on Instagram for a long time, man. January 11th, oh. January 11th, 2016. That's a long time. It is actually, yeah. 
Um, so so I would have started nine, is that nine, 10, 10 years? When I? 2000, 2016. So that's oh. six years ago. It wasn't always bliss made. What was it? It was just me. Like it was you. It was just me making, like, if you go back far enough, you'll see stuff that I made before I had ever like taken this seriously. It's still, I I just thought it was strong. It was a strong statement coming out strong on Instagram with a, with dovetails as your first post. That was your first post you posted was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was a strong statement. I mean, I was like, I'm on the scene. Boom. There you go. Robert Bliss is on the scene. And he like, you know. no tags, nothing written there. Just look at my photo. Yeah. You know what? That was probably right. Actually, I have some of those stuff to us. My, my dad um, took me up to uh, Lee Nielsen Toolworks for a, uh, for like an intensive course with um, Frank Klaus, who's uh, well known for his dovetails. And yeah. it was incredible. We, we spent the weekend up there in Rockport and had a great time. And, and I got to learn how to cut dovetails from him. And that's really the first time that I fell in love with hand cutting dovetails. And I've done a lot of them since. But I think I still have those dovetails. I'll show you. That's awesome. That was one of the <laughs> questions, I believe, was why does he prefer hand cut dovetails over uh, machine cut? Let me see if I can find that. I was looking at the questions earlier. Oh, you got a bunch of questions? Yeah, there's a few questions that got sent to me. Oh, nice. Very cool. Oh, you're frozen. Where'd you go? Not you. Oh, no, not like, you. I'm Robert's frozen. frozen. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> no, come back to us, Robert. I do Robert. like the look of handcut. Oh, come back to us. Come I like how he's frozen us. holding this note. <laughs> that we can't read because it's just out of focus. I know. I was trying to peep it before. Before. <laughs> to see what it said and I couldn't. Um well while he's frozen. So oh, wait. I think oh, he's back. Oh hey, we have you back. You know, that was a you very um unsatisfying freeze because we couldn't read the note that had you had froze holding. Please say is he frozen again or is he messing with us? <laughs> I don't know. At this point, I can't tell. This is what you get for talking to somebody in New Hampshire, you know? They don't have Wi-Fi. Yeah, my back on. Yeah. Go out and adjust. It could be my daughter cuz she likes to she likes to my daughter likes to turn off the Wi-Fi router in the house. <laughs> it's a little light. We have ours like hidden in a closet like and we lock the door because our kids would totally do the same thing though. There's it's bright light. Oh yeah. I mean, it's bright lights. <laughs> My kids are so focused yeah. on their, their own iPads, they could care less what else is going on. They're just like, well, how, how old are yours, Ben? There could be, like be, <laughs> be a fire in the room, and they are just not focused. My son's on Minecraft. He's like, he's, you should see the things he builds. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but he would notice if Wi Fi went out. <laughs> That's true. That is true. If the Wi Fi cut out, that would probably yeah. be the only thing that would make him look up and be like, like what? 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 Uh, Ender Dragon, guys, I'm trying to get. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> Ender Dragons? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know about the Ender Dragons. Uh, dude. So show us, the, show us the dovetails. Let's see those things. Please, yes. Before you freeze again. I was oh, like, <laughs> these I were, uh, again. It just says, these might more recent. They say uh, Robert oh, and Dad's Father's Day workshop dovetails. But <laughs> I, I like the hand cut. That's not a very, these are literally like way, way long ago. 
I like the hand cut dovetails um, because I don't I don't even use a template when I do them. I just do them free, like completely freehand. Like I take a piece of wood, I put it in the vise, and I start cutting with a saw. I don't mark anything, and so every little piece, they fit together perfectly. If you know what you're doing, you can get them to fit together perfectly. But everything is a little bit different with the angle. You know, one might be a little bit wider than the other one you know there's cut through marks on them and if you look at a piece of furniture that was made you know 100 200 300 a thousand two thousand years ago you'll see the maker's marks the tool marks on this on the stuff um you know everyone obsesses with making absolutely perfectly symmetrical dovetails but that's not how i how i operate really um i like to i like the organic feel of it and the organic look of it and they can be time consuming to cut, um, but there's still, you know, despite all of the advances of technology that we've made, um, the best way to put together a piece of furniture is still has been done thousands of years. And there's no machine that can cut a dovetail that's gonna look like a hand cut dovetail, it's just not. So that's why I like doing them. You use both techniques in your furniture building though, right? You use it, you'll, you'll, you'll use machine cut dovetails for certain things as well, and then hand cut on the same piece of furniture, correct? Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually I got one coming up that I'm going to do that with, um, the drawers, the internal parts, uh, any of the internal casework, um, is all machine cut and then I'll do show dovetails. So like I'll, I'll cut them where they're going to be seen. That makes sense though. Cause you want to get the, the drawers done faster. Just like yep. get, them in, get them out. Yeah. That's what I was going to say for production reasons, it makes sense to yeah. cut them machine. Yeah. Um, for, I mean, for sure. if someone pays for, if someone's going to pay me for dovetails to go and dovetails in the whole piece, I'll do it. Um, and you see that a lot with like reproduction furniture where mm -hmm. someone's trying to make a piece exactly like it was made, mm -hmm. you know, whenever whatever period it was made in. Um, but that's not kind of, I'm not really making money doing that. Um, I'm not to that level because some of these guys will take for one piece of furniture and it, it'll be in a museum, absolutely beautiful stuff. Um, I'm more focused on kind of consumer, um, just like making clients really, really happy and mm -hmm. getting them, you know, a really incredible piece um, that's not going to be a hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars, you know, something that's kind of reachable. And I also don't want to put all my eggs in one basket because I'm kind of I'm really small. The shop is really small, and I don't need to tie up six months in the shop for one. It's just a lot of risk, you mm -hmm. know. So mm -hmm. I like to keep things moving through the shop, keep the cash flow going. Um, but uh, yeah, I like to throw in kind of those hand cut details uh, whenever I can, not only because I really enjoy doing it, um, but it looks cool. Yeah, I think I, the one of the pieces you were doing that I saw um, earlier was the it looked like that the inside parts where the drawers and stuff you were or it was the one where the the, the, the dovetail stuck out the back of the piece. A little bit past the drawer frame so that you could you said it, the backer was going to slide into the anyways i you probably remember it if you saw it obviously <laughs> ben you told me that me like sliding through his page right tell you now the last week. oh i'm telling you man i when i when i do this i'm no bull, i'm no bullshit i want to know okay what else are we going to talk about how beautiful your beard looks that's only going to be like a five minute conversation as he glorious also as has stunning eyes 
he does have stunning eyes that's true that's true um no but uh anyways dovetails i i just i just wanted to bring him up because i i thought that was a strong statement on uh, your first post out of the gate um i'm here I, i'm robert bliss i do dovetails by hand and uh yeah deal with it <laughs> hear me roar <laughs> Dude, well, thing I want it's funny because uh go ahead sorry oh it's just funny that you know that I, I like to do that kind of stuff but most people um think i'm crazy for well not think i'm crazy but like you know in in this kind of thing where you're trying to push cabinetry and get furniture done and completed and to take like the time to cut the dovetails bill thinks i'm insane to do it um, so you gotta, the thing is you have to learn how to do it really quickly. Anyone can cut dovetails. Anybody can, anybody can do it. Mm. Gives, if I give a monkey enough time, he'll cut a nice set of dovetails. Um, but can you do it fast enough to make money at it? Mm. And that's the, that's the trick. And that's what I learned really when I started working, um, with bill and like that, I mean, how I got there is kind of a crazy story. It's after I was doing all the traveling and the peanut mobile stuff. And I'd worked my way up to the corporate ladder to a point where I was, I was pretty high up. I was like, I thought I was on the path, you know, and I had gotten to a point where I had seven offices across the, the whole East coast and making really good money. Um, and then my second son, Caleb was born. So like Wyatt, he's seven now. Mm-hmm. And then Caleb was born and Caleb was born sick and he lived five months in one day and then passed away. Um, and going through that experience, like I lost my job halfway through because yeah my sales numbers were down and people mm-hmm. really care about the numbers. <laughs> yeah. so I, I lost my job. Brutal, man. I was toasted. Yeah. Sales are brutal. I was toasted. You know, and like, and then going through that whole thing, it gave me like, it just rocked my world. I mm-hmm. thought what I wanted was, you know, to do this, to go in this path. But like, I wish someone had like grabbed that 16 year old kid who was making stuff out of skis Mm-hmm. and said you can make a good living doing this and have a very yeah. nice life if you do it right and uh it took me a while to get there but i had that realization you know like you know you go through something like that it shifts you and what's funny is that a lot of people that ever since i kind of linked up with the community of of these makers and these incredibly talented people um and started talking to all you guys i've learned that a lot of people have kind of a similar story in their background mm-hmm. of you know or similar uh, thought on why they're doing what they're doing, why you're working with your hands. And uh, it's kind of cool uh, how many people, like, since I started kind of telling this story, reach out, you know, and they're like, man, same kind of thing, you know, my, my sister, my, you know, whatever it was, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, that was kind of the thing. Like, and uh, after going through that with Caleb and just being absolutely heartbroken, I realized that I was traveling 300 days a year. Wow. And I had, you know, no time with my family. And so I made a decision wow. like, well, I didn't make that decision. Like literally a, a week after I, we had moved out, like moved up back to New Hampshire, uh, staying with my parents shattered. And literally a week after, like my son died in my arms, my dad goes, Hey, can you pick something up down at this, uh, this guy, this guy's shop in Dunbarton for me. He had something that was, uh, getting painted or something. And I drove down. And I'd always known who Bill was, but I never really spent any time with him. And I walked through that door 
And you got to like understand my mindset when this happened, you know, mm-hmm. like just literally happened. Uh, and I met this guy and I drove, you know, drove into this beautiful property and met this guy in this wood shop and he's got hardware, beautiful furniture everywhere. And, and, you know, he'd been doing it for 50 years. Um, he's pretty well known up in the area and uh, started talking to him and realized back in the eighties, Sam, uh, Sam Morse, he was, he was a kid. I think he was nine. He was nine when he passed away. Um, but he threw a pond of ice and just like overnight and it rocked his world. And so like, you know, he, I had walked out to the shop and, or I'd left the shop and he called me on the way back and he's like, Hey man, I know you kind of make furniture. Um, you know, cause at that point I had kind of had my own shop and I was, you know, I was just kind of like, it was a hobby. And, uh, He's like, why don't you come in and work at my shop for a little while? And that turned out to be like two years. <laughs> wow. So I, I uh, and he taught me a lot about, yeah. I, I mean, everything, like a picture, like, like bearded overall man and, you know, old Bill, you know, like crusty, looks like a crusty old sailor from Maine, <laughs> just like crying, just crying. That sucks though. But the, you found somebody though is pretty amazing going through like a tragedy like that to, to have that drive to come to this now we already know because Ben pointed it out beautiful serene like place and and getting this inspiration like this is where I'm supposed to be this is who I'm supposed to meet and bonding like that that's incredible I'm so glad you found him do you think your dad said might up? have yeah well he <laughs> might have known something and known yeah. that that might be what you needed mm-hmm. at that time dude I honestly especially after Caleb like I so much stuff happens that I'm just like that, that it's there's no coincidence there's some it's just proof of some intelligent design I'm not sure what it is I'm not particularly religious I probably shouldn't get into this too far <laughs> but I I do believe that there's some sort of intelligent design like I, I there's a reason and there's just too much stuff it's like wow you know when you sit back and you look at it and you think about these things and you think about like how I ended up in and then got on the path where I'm, where I am, where like, I kept having this, um, I kept having this, not like a vision, people think I'm weird, but like, it's kind of like a, I don't know, an image in my head of me being in a wood shop and my son getting off the bus from school and like running into the wood shop and putting his bag down and like hanging out. And now I get to live that every day. That's so awesome. And I, you know, this was like a while, like a long time ago that I mm-hmm. kind of had like this thought of doing this. And so it's, uh, it's been really, really incredible to, to start from like, uh, you know, Bill, Bill saved my life. Yeah. There's no question. Uh, absolutely saved me. So, I mean, I hope that like, I don't know, I can't predict the future, but uh, I hope I'll have the chance to do that for somebody else. Maybe that'd be incredible. I'm sure yeah. you will. That'd be pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're doing it for your son. Oh, yeah, I was just gonna point that out. You, you, your son has the nicer workbench than I do, and most uh, adult men and women in their shops. <laughs> He's right nicer now. workbench than I do. <laughs> I know. I, I was gonna point that out as well, but um, I didn't want to make you feel bad. Uh, your son's got a better shop than you started out right now. But uh, yeah, you, I mean, you're doing that for him. You're, you're getting yeah. him started. He does. He's got all this space. Yeah, it's neat, man. That's really cool. You know, I when I saw that, I was like that i love i just love seeing that i love i love when 
you know, people like yourself, anybody who has kids or, you know, or has a shop, you know, I love the idea of bringing your kid in there and bringing them up in this, you know what I mean? Like my, both my kids have aprons, you know what I mean? They're all super stoked to be in here helping out, you know? So I, I love it. It's great. I was going to say, I think all of us are doing that right now, which is, it was great. Yeah. All three of us. Yeah. All right, guys, let's take a minute for a commercial. Today's episode is brought to you by Sabretooth. I use Sabretooth exclusively as my carving burrs because they're amazing. They come in great colors and they make the job easy. So um, I don't know if you heard last episode, but I talked to Cecilia from the shop Wood Design and we got into the ones that we preferred. But um, there are some great starter kits on their website and we are going to be doing a giveaway in January for some burrs so get excited but if you can't wait and i totally understand if you can't go to their website it's sabertooth.com it's s-a-b-u-r-r-t-o-o-t-h um and check out what they have on there you can save 15 percent with btm at checkout and sign up for their newsletter because they do send a 25 percent off coupon once a month so go check out those amazing burrs and you're going to hear a lot about them over the next few months because I absolutely love them and I know a lot of makers out there do. So thank you again, Sabretooth, for sponsoring the podcast. And now back to the show. Look at this. I just picked this stuff up today. I got like, dude, you guys know how much I love wood. Oh my God, really dude. That's really pretty. That is such quilted. Big leaf maple. Bi- oh. is, it, is it built big leaf? Yeah, it's big leaf uh, quilted maple. Quilted maple, it's just dude. like bonkers stuff, man. That's what a guitar. That's what like they make guitar yeah, tops yeah, out of that stuff, right? That, that seems yeah. like a guitar would have that on there. Uh, I like how you said you could cut this out. We have um, Spotify can show a video now, so people could actually see that. Oh, great! So we can show them your wood. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna we we're showing off your wood as much as you possible should. tonight. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. For the marketing, right? Um, speaking you know of mar- speaking of marketing. <laughs> You have a video because you like you're clever, man. Like I sometimes I look at your stuff and I'm like, this guy is like super clever. And uh Bryce, Bryce from Waffle Beaver, yeah. from Waffle Beaver, uh, he told us really he he asked he wanted us to get into the marketing background with you a little bit because he was really excited to hear how you you thought your thought processes on how you sell your products currently. I had a quick thought though. You I thought it was a great video, the one of you jumping on the bed like up and down on the bed like i was just like this boy is crazy man it's like you must have some serious confidence in your in your builds man because you're you're a large man to be jumping up and down on a bed like that and this is the general yeah (laughs) so um can you talk about how you think about your marketing for your current um business that you're doing right now and like is it something you throw onto ig or is it just something that you you know do out in public or how do you market yourself? Um, I, I don't really do like a whole lot of marketing per se, which is, you know, interesting because that's kind of my background of where I came from in marketing. But I was, I was more I was more focused on designing spaces to sell people things and, and like uh, engaging, you know, consumer experience sort of thing. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's mostly just it's really just word of mouth and the cutting board thing was big, you know, putting a lot of cutting boards in small pieces, like small end tables and stuff in local stores. So people walk in and see the the name and then 
the stuff that you really make your money on is the larger projects and the custom builds and the things like, um, you know, the, the, the really big stuff. Um, so I think that that was a piece just to kind of get the name out there. Um, you know, I, I had Bill's guidance through this whole thing and Bill will be actually be the first one to tell you is like, he's like an average woodworker, but he's an excellent businessman, excellent businessman. And I took a lot of my cues from him on, and he, he made, you know, helped me to avoid a lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think Instagram has been big for me or like social media in that range, just cause I'm, I'm really kind of locally based. I mean, my website, the only reason I really have the website is just so that people can see the, you know, see the brand in, in that space. So I don't think I'm just like a dude in my backyard, you know, yeah. um, even though I am a dude in my backyard, side yard. <laughs> but, uh, I did marketing has just been from, uh, really from like, you get into a community, you engage with people and you just be like friendly and affable and who you are. And, and, uh, because people, when they buy a handmade piece, a handmade piece of furniture, anything that's like, that would be considered art furniture. Although I don't really consider mine art furniture per se, because it's really more geared towards fulfilling a purpose. I find that the, the art in what I do is more towards the, the usefulness of it. Um, you know, and the, the design of it and, you know, nods to classical design and things like that. But um, the, the art stuff, the people that, that are going to spend that kind of money on a piece of furniture, generally, not always, need, you know, they want to have some sort of uh, emotional engagement with that piece of furniture. Like that piece of furniture tells a story of where you got it from, how you got it. So I like when people, you know, when I interact with customers to have kind of that interaction with them. So they have a good feeling about where their furniture is coming from. Um, so, you know, I'm very forward about, like, I'm very forward in general. You guys know that <laughs> I'm pretty much just gonna, like, lay it out. Um, but, you know, I just try to have like genuine interaction with people. And then, um, you know, it's the same kind of thing. Like when you see a, a, a roofing guy, you know, put a sign on the lawn that says like, Bob's roofing was here, you know, and then everyone in that neighborhood, like in a couple of weeks has that sign up there. It's the same kind of thing in these communities up here. Once you start putting your work out there, once you start building things, um, then people kind of catch on and they talk. And, uh, you know, a lot of the, when I first kind of decided when Bill, you know, he's like, all right, dude, you've been in my shop for two years. Honestly, he's like, I don't mean to like to my horn. He's like, you're one of the best I've ever seen. Like, why don't you just go out and start and do your thing? and get it done and I'll help you along the way. And, you know, and I'll be there, you know, he's my neighbor. now. I moved next door to him. Um, but, uh, you know, go start your own thing. And when I first started, I was making pieces that weren't sold. I was just making pieces that I thought were going to be cool. Um, and it was scary because you invested a lot of money into starting something like this, you know, to do it seriously. And then you got to pay the bills. And to be making furniture that isn't sold, a lot of people would think that'd be fun. It's terrifying because <laughs> um, you're not yeah. sure, you know, whether or not sure. the investment you made is going to pay off. Um, but you have to, you have to, uh, and you you have to 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 put yourself out there and do something that you think you can't do, because um, chances are you'll figure it out. Like I remember a year into being into Bill Shop. Um, he makes Windsor chairs. That's where he makes, you know, he's made thousands of these things. Um, and he gave me uh, a job that had come in that was for a, uh, a Windsor chair. I think it was like a side background. I'd never made a Windsor chair before, mm -hmm. but he just like hands me the parts. 
And he's like, no, it, it's not hard at all. You can just put it together. Like, it's like, he's like, it's like a Kia furniture. You just put it together, just figure it out. You'll be fine. And, you know, three weeks later, <laughs> I had made a Windsor chair. Yeah. I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to be able to do that. And he, yeah, I brought it in. He's like, geez, I'm crawling. You did what it. What did you do? How did you do that? I'm like, you told me it was easy. It took like three weeks. He's like, I don't think you're supposed to be able to do that. I'm like, oh, cool. And it, it's like those little things that like they yeah. give you confidence. I I wouldn't sell that chair <laughs> to a customer, but um, you know, just the fact that like you take on something and, and that feeling of satisfaction that you get after doing something like that, it's the little things, the little moments that, that keep you going. Um, and that that was a big one for me. But yeah, I, I think just just doing that. That's I don't awesome. even know what the original question was. Oh, we were talking we were talking about marketing and just how you kind of oh, yeah. got how you kind of got started or how you, cause Bryce wanted to know about your marketing strategies and whatnot, but. Uh, oh yeah. Build it got, and then come. Build, build it and then come. Put yourself out there, build something that's going to blow people's minds yep. and put it out there. Yeah. So we have a couple of questions I want to sneak in before we end. Um, Bearded Palette Works wants to know how much do you bench? I feel like that was important. Do you I bench, mean, bro? you want to like no we don't need you to lift some furniture over your head i can lay on the table <laughs> i mean back in the day i was a beast i was a beast i played college ball like i did i don't even remember what it was probably it was probably like a million pounds yeah a million oh, yeah. that sounds about right i don't know two, i think it, it might have been two million I, I i heard it was like two million pounds like an old fish i could probably bench <laughs> i could probably bench like 30 board foot of hard maple ah tiger to tiger maple could you do 30 board feet of tiger maple no let's not be crazy okay okay <laughs> i didn't think so either i was i wasn't going to give you credit for that um <laughs> oh, uh scraping maple that's something i did want to ask you about because oh my god oh oh my god <laughs> how long does it take you to scrape a freaking table like that not long not long you think it will but it doesn't you just do it and, and it takes i'll tell you what a lot shorter than sanding it <laughs> so uh, are you done after the scrape there's a there's a video on his instagram i'm just gonna, um, now that you're talking about it, i'm like trying to find things i'm like there's got to be something oh my god he's it's on there and he is it is that i wrote you said it earlier you said labor of love i wrote that down because honestly it must be because i'll tell you what Dude, that looks so labor intensive, man. Like the Merca does the work for me. I stand there and I had to do this and it does the sanding. What you're doing that, I mean, come on. How long does that take you? Um, not, it really doesn't take long at all. Um, I'm especially watching like, now. <laughs> yeah, it's fun to do too. And I mean, if you go through the stories, I think there's one story on the top of my thing where um, Bill like stops by halfway. I think one's like, it's called Scraping Maple. Bill's, yeah. Bill's in his seventies. He still scrapes all of his stuff too. It's not a hard thing to do. Um, it, it's very cathartic. I like using hand tools and I like the final surface that people feel and touch to be touched with a hand tool. Yeah. And so like part of the thing that's scraping it, cause I don't just scrape maple. I scrape everything. I'll scrape no, I, I, I know it was just uh, all of it. Like I got some, you can see like scraping maple just sounds so cool. Right. Scraping maple. <laughs> that's like a, a woodwork. Right. <laughs> 
It's like a band from from the it's from the band's war band. Yes, scraping maple. That's gonna be our side band. Oh. What was the the band Sponge? Uh, did like rotting pinata, scraping the maple, scraping the maple. No, you get like these these really really fine thin pieces. Yes, and it leaves if you sharpen it right, and it takes a long time to learn how to do this. But once you get it down. You use one of these bad boys. And so I only I will only sand a table like say I'm finishing this table. Mm -hmm. I'll sand it to 80 grit, maybe, and then hit it with this. And this thing is sharpened at 3000 grit, at least if not more, probably 10,000. That's so cool. So by the time it's 3000 probably ready to be sharpening it, but you're leaving a perfectly smooth surface on the wood. And then it also gives it this texture because when you like in these number 80s this center screw bends the blade just like you would be if you were holding it but nobody has the strength to do that forever uh, but it holds it at that position so you get a little bit of a of a concave like if you touch a piece of furniture that was made you know by someone who who was a fine furniture maker yeah. a long time ago you'll feel the texture in the wood and yeah. i just got bill was the one who showed me how to do this and it blew my mind because i was so programmed and just like all of us we're so programmed yeah. into touching a surface yeah. and thinking it should be perfectly smooth and flat mm -hmm. and you know perfect and he kind of like flipped that on its head like you can have you can make this thing look like a jewel like a shining jewel uh with one of these scraper blades and it takes no time at all um it can get a little sweaty and it's, it's kind of tough in the summer because if you sweat on maple, it leaves black marks. So I always have bandanas tied around my head and stuff. Um, but uh, no, it's it's a really, uh, it's a fun thing to do. And I want the surface, when somebody walks by your furniture, it's not just a, that's what I don't like about Instagram. I like, I want to see, because <laughs> you can make something look fantastic, but it's actually a piece of garbage. Yeah. Furniture should be experienced with hands, eyes, taste it, you know, maybe. Ah, yeah. um, Can I make like, a suggestion for you right now? Yeah, go. Instead of posting a photo of what you make, can you please post a video? Like the next thing that you make that you're gonna slap a photo above, right? Don't, just record a video of you talking about the piece. No, seriously, and what decisions you made. Because I think that right there is gonna really intrigue people. And I think it's a great way for you to publicize what you're making. Could you take that challenge for me? Because I think, honestly, people would eat that up because it's really cool. If I didn't, I had no idea about scraping maple. You know what I mean? Like, that's just cool there. And you could talk about why you do it. And you know who would love that kind of stuff is our boy in uh, Jersey. You know, he'd be all over that. Jeff. <laughs> they, they're awesome. They, yes. uh, he's, yeah. they, they're, they're very, uh, very good down there. Jeff and Robert, fantastic. Green Street Joinery. Green, Green Street. Joinery. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, think, I, think be, I think that would be fantastic because no one knows, like, like you're saying, you can make it look pretty in a photo, but no one understands the difference and you do. So you could talk about that. And I think that first of all, would educate people and it would make a smarter consumer, you know, they'd have more choices and would look at things differently. I think it would really help people out just to yeah. point things out like that. It's a good idea, Tiff. For you, anything. I'll do anything. <laughs> Thank you. It's like uh, you could be the mentor for the for for the Instagram. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like you said, you yeah. could be 
bill for everybody else. I get yeah. I get worried about doing stuff like that though because um, who cares, I, man? I, don't know, I get I get frustrated, not frustrated, but just kind of like uh, when people who have no idea what they're talking about get on Instagram and they're like this is how they do this. And like, look at how cool this is. And it's like, dude, that's not, that's a bad idea. This is There's how so I do this, why I do this. You're not know. seeing people to go well, through that, it. You're explaining that, your process. Can I, I know we're almost out of time, but quickly. That's fine, yeah. Um, is there something, there's, I, because we're talking about this, there's like, the, I've always had this weirdness thing about like, should there be, should, should people who make videos on Instagram about how they build things or build videos or something like that, should they have warning labels on them? Should they say, should we be posting on them? This is we're you know, don't do this at home or, you know, like only, you know, professionals. I did that on my YouTube video recently. Did you? I, so I, I, I did a, vi a video about, um, you know, how to use your touch probe for your CNC. Right. Mm -hmm. And I never use it, right? Well, I do now because I did the video and I learned. And I'm like, hey, yeah. dummy, you should have been doing this years ago. But I was doing a V-bit and you're not supposed to um, do your XYZ on it, like all three homing devices on it. You're only supposed to do your Z. So just like how deep the carve is going to be, it's going to set yeah. the height mm -hmm. of the bit. You're only supposed to do that with a V-bit. So I did all three in the video and I wrote a warning I've never done this before. Please tell me how I did it wrong and what I can do better. Like, cause I did, I wanted the advice cause I've never used it. And I searched so many videos and they never really talk about it. So people wrote yeah. really nice comments in there. I think because of the warning, I was getting really nice tips. So I like warnings. Like yeah. I think it's important too. Cause it shows that, Hey, I'm, I don't know everything. I, I'm just learning. And this is what I do. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, there's a difference I think between um, putting it out there and you know acting like this is the way to do this, like you're educating people, and then mm -hmm. you know and learning you know through that kind of experience of of sharing what you're doing and then having people comment yeah. back on that. Um, I don't know. I think that there, there's a lot of people who are talking that shouldn't be talking because they don't know. They're just like, just relax, man. You know, and I get nervous about that because I don't want to be that guy that's like. Um, that's sharing knowledge because I'm not even there. I'm not there yet. Maybe one day I will be. I'd love to be able to teach one but day. But you can talk about how you're, you know, you, this is what you've learned. Mm, true. I think if you do it a certain way, people will understand. Like you don't even need the warning label if you're talking openly, like this is how I learned. And then people- I think I should have a warning label like, all the time. <laughs> you definitely warning, need a warning Robert label. Robert Bliss yeah. is in this video. <laughs> when you open your Instagram, it should pop up with a- not safe for work, you know, <laughs> warning, you know, all this stuff. If you don't consider yourself a master yet, how far along are you in your journey? I don't think about that really. I think, I think about, um, I don't know. I, I think you must I think, think about like, it a little though, because you said I'm not there yet and you've placed yeah. yourself in a lower level. Well, I mean, I know I'm all, I'm a realist. Like I know that I'm not going to be able to be out here working like I'm working and, you know, providing like I've been able to provide when my back hurts and I'm old and, yeah. you know, and it'll, it'll, it'll go into something different. You know, that's yeah. just kind of like the, that's the progression. I mean, that's, that's how I have the, you know, the journeyman and then you, you know, you become the, the apprentice and then eventually you become the master and then you become the teacher. And, mm -hmm. you know, that was kind of the way, and, you know, along the way somewhere we broke the cycle. Um, but I think it's coming back now. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I think it's more prevalent now because people are noticing the absence of it. 
Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I just kind of, I know that like, I do have goals of where I want to be, you know, in short term and long term. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm having so much fun and I'm enjoying just making furniture right now that I just don't think about it that much. You know, I know that I'm, I'm kind of one of those like in the moment kind of people, like I'll think about that when I could, when I get there, if I get there. <laughs> I get it, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thank you for coming out and hanging out with us. I know Thank you guys for having me. here has to go do some in the shop fun. So oh, yeah. let him go. But, um, no, seriously, I'm glad, first of all, that you wanted to hop on and, and do a last minute podcast. Um, we can let everybody know we just randomly booked this on, was it Tuesday? We like, let's do it, guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Nicole actually has a really cute recital for her son today, so she couldn't come. And Ben from Condorosa Creations joined us. So I'm super psyched. And uh, it was really fun hanging out with you guys. Yeah, it was a blast, dude. Thanks, Robert. Hey, Thanks. thank you guys for having me. And thank you, Tiff, for inviting me. I appreciate it. It was awesome. Well, have a good night, everybody. And uh, bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for checking out this episode with Robert Bliss from Bliss Made Furniture and Ben from Condorosa Creations. It was a blast having them on the show. Don't forget to go ahead and follow Nicole and myself on YouTube. We're really trying to get our presence on there to expand and grow. And, you know, on our social media as well. So, anyways, have a great day and uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>